The season is just under a week away for the Louisville Cardinals. What better way to talk about the matchup with the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets than bringing someone in who covers the team on a regular basis. We'll do that on today's episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On Louisville podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you, birddogs.com. Joining me today on this special Georgia Tech um, preview episode of the show, a uh, friend of mine, Jackson Caudell. Uh, is, that's how I say your last name, is it not? Yeah, I was about to say, man, you get a lot of bonus points for hitting that right off the bat. See, I was like, I, mean, I, from Louisville. I do some like PA announcing, so like I try to like specialize in saying right name or last names right the first time off the bat. But uh, glad to glad to see we got that rolling. Uh, Jackson writes for all Yellow Jackets, which is the Sports Illustrated equivalent um, that covers all everything Georgia Tech. Um, actually, the publisher for all things Yellow Jackets, Jackson. Um, we're going to talk, obviously, a little bit about Georgia Tech today. We'll talk about the new era with a new head coach. Just how good you perceive this team to be this year, and then we'll break down the offense and defense. But for starters, um, one thing about our programs that is in common this offseason, we are both going through a coaching change. Uh, yours a little bit different with the being an interim, being promoted to head coach. But sort of talk me – or talk to me about what the vibe is around the program right now. What is the perception of what key is going to bring, what Brent key is going to bring to this yellow jackets program? The vibe is, is really good. Like I, I know you see projections and win totals having Georgia tech at four and a half. A lot of people are down on the yellow jackets that the mood couldn't be further from the truth here. Like, I'm sure a lot of people know, but Brent Key played at Georgia Tech. Like he is a tech man through and through, and like he he shows that enthusiasm all the time. Like it, it's it's not cliche to say that he he really deeply cares about this program and seeing it successful, seeing it be successful. I mean, there, there's a reason you know when he joined Jeff Collins' staff coming over from Alabama. Like he left Alabama to come to Georgia Tech, and did, it wasn't a promotion. Like it was he was offensive line coach at Alabama came to be the offensive line coach at Georgia Tech. Like, he truly does care about this place, and the vibes are really good. Like, this team plays extremely tough for him, and, and you saw that in the last eight games. I mean, they beat three teams that won nine games last year. They beat Duke, they beat Pitt, and they beat North Carolina. Games that n- nobody expected them to win. So, um, right. in terms of just the vibes, that they're they're really good, and uh, the fan base is a lot higher and more excited about this team, I think, than the national media um, give them credit for. Now, when he got promoted to interim, obviously it, it sort of just seems like a formality uh, with interim coaches that they're probably not going to be in too large of a consideration for the head coaching gig, unless it's some special situation. But like you said, uh, the Yellow Jackets played seemingly night and day different than mm-hmm. what they did under Collins to start the year going one and three. How much, I mean, it seems like it'd probably be a significant amount, but just how much did that end of the season surge for Georgia Tech put him into consideration in your mind from a, okay, 
he is an interim that will get his chance to, well, he really might be the guy moving forward. I think the the big wins definitely helped. And, you know, um, and, and people can scoff at this, but, you know, Georgia was only leading that game 10 to 7 at halftime. Now you can question, you know, how much Georgia cared and how much focus they were about that game. But I, I do think it does speak to how hard this team played for him. Obviously way, way overmatched. Yeah. But, like, they, they played them closer than TCU did in the national title game. Now take from that what you will. Hard, not to, hard not to play them worse yeah. than how TCU did, but I agree with what you're saying. Um, now, to be perfectly fair and, and balanced here, I, I do think there were some other factors here. Georgia Tech is not a program that is flush with cash. Uh, they're not going to go – lay down eight million nine million for a coach and there were some reports about them struggling to meet contract demands you know there was a willie fritz rumor uh, that caught fire there for a few days um leading up to that and then right after brent key was named the head coach so i do think you have to to look at all sides of it but i do think the the enthusiasm in the locker room i think the way they played on the field and just the again like the night and day improvement like I was. They played Ole Miss last, Ole Miss last year and, and got beat forty-two to three, and it really did look like that team just absolutely quit. Like there was no fight in them, no nothing whatsoever. Two weeks later, they beat a nationally ranked Pitt team on the road as three touchdown underdogs. So, like I, th- I think you can see the right. difference just in that right there. So, in terms of gauging what a successful year one looks like, the win totals I've seen obviously they change. It seems like projections are kind of centered around that four and a half mark from from what I've seen. Maybe you, you've seen differently uh, from what I've been able to gather. It's around that area, that ballpark. But looking at the schedule, Jackson, I mean, the schedule has its challenges. I mean, I don't want to toot Louis horn, but I think that that's a, a decently tough opponent. But you have on the road against Mississippi. Who knows what Miami can be, but you're on the road there. You play North Carolina. You play Clemson. You play Georgia again. I mean, what is – the measure of success in year one, is it more quantified by win-loss or is it something that you're basing it upon the eye test? For me, I do think it's some of the eye test. And I think most Georgia Tech fans would agree. Like, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I go into this season is, okay, you're not beating Georgia. You're not beating Clemson. You're not beating Ole Miss. Like, those three games I just kind of push to the side. And, like, you know, if they compete better than I expect them to and maybe they win, that's great. But, like, I'm not going to be – disappointed. I don't think any Georgia Tech fan is just going to be tearing themselves apart because they got beat by Georgia. Now, there are some very winnable games on the schedule. South Carolina State, Bowling Green. I think it's a big plus they get both Boston College and Syracuse. I think teams that are projected right around Georgia Tech's range Mm -hmm. in the ACC, they get them both at home. Like, you don't have to go way up north and have to play them because both places can be challenging in different ways to play at. And, you know, Virginia, which is universally I think projected last in the ACC this year they do get that game on the road so couple that with Bowling Green and South Carolina State those are five winnable games I think if they can win those five or at least four out of five and then like to me I have some wild card games like you know I think Louisville on paper is the better team but they're only a touchdown favorite like I think a lot of people look at this as like Louisville's some massive favorite here but they they have questions answered their own as far as newcomers transfer additions yeah. coaching staff Sure. North Carolina, Georgia Tech's beat them two years in a row. Like that, they beat them last year, and then uh, when Sam Howell was there a couple of years ago, I have no idea what Miami looks like this year. I, I think people be lying. Miami doesn't even know what Miami looks like this year. I mean, it's they're the hardest team, Jackson. When I look at Louisville's schedule, I'm like, I mean, we have them second to last game of the year on the road. I mean, Miami doesn't necessarily have a hometown, uh, like a home field advantage playing at Hard Rock. 
even when Miami's good, it seems that they don't have that advantage. But still, you're not playing at home. You're playing them on the road. Who knows? I mean, they have the talent to, I mean, possibly be a playoff dark horse if all things go right. Now, granted, that's best-case scenario, but they can also be a team that, like last year, 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Well, okay, imagine they're coming off a loss to Texas A&M already, and right. if that game's at noon, I'll go ahead and tell you, there's going to be, like, less than 15,000 people in the stands. Like, at, on paper, Miami's a better team, but, like, it, with all those factors, like, it's not crazy if Georgia Tech plays hard like they have under Brinkey, They go in there and steal that game. Right. Road trip to Wake Forest. They lose Sam Hartman. A.T. Perry's gone. Their defense has not been strong under Dave Clawson. And I have a ton of respect for that program he's built. Like, it's been consistent. You expect Wake to get to bowl games every year, which is crazy if you look but back. But they also have their question. They have questions of their own. Wake Forest is as vulnerable as they have been in the past half decade. Exactly. So I, I kind of group those as wild card games where, sure, Georgia Tech is going to be an underdog, maybe even by more than a touchdown. But like that, there's scenarios I can paint you where they win those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that you know I think it's a combination of to see some of that improvement from last year, but also the eye test as well, being competitive in these games. Jackson, I want to break it down a little bit. We're going to talk about offense here in a second. Uh, just named Haynes King as the starter uh, for the Rambling Wreck in Week One. Um, we'll talk about that here momentarily after we talk about our title sponsor of the show, Bird Dogs. Look, I've been preaching Bird Dogs since we partnered up with them, even before that. Uh, Bird Dogs is the fabric that makes you look good. The stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. The shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better and cost significantly less. Um, And not to mention they're versatile as can be. You can have meetings in them. You can go play sports, go to the lake, uh, lay out by the pool, whatever may have you. Uh, Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college or enter the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college or using the promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you all offered at bird dogs. Heading on into the second segment of the show with Jackson Caudell, publisher of um, All Yellow Jackets, which is the Sports Illustrated uh, publication for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Um, Grant, or Grant, Jackson, I'm over here mixing my words up. I'm thinking of, uh, so my sister lives in Grant Park in right. Atlanta, and I'm sitting here thinking of an Airbnb. We just <laughs> just got I just got the uh, the Yahoo uh, Airbnb confirmation pop up on the screen, so I'm sitting here tripping. But uh, Jackson, I should say, QB one has been named. Mm-hmm. Haynes King transfer from Texas A and M. Sort of, um, obviously, you recruit a player like this. It's almost like the vibe or perception is that he's going to have a battle, but you think he's going to win it out. But a lot of mixed opinions on King because of why he had to transfer from A&M losing that starting job. Uh, What have you sort of uh, seen or heard in the offseason about how he's performed and, um, you know, how confident in you or how confident in King are you for this season? So it it was a close battle. Like I think Zach Pyron was given a look, and I think a lot of people thought he had the upper hand, me included. Like I I thought he might get the job, but – they targeted Haynes King pretty much from the second he entered the transfer portal um, and leaving A&M. And now this is a guy that won that job twice. Um, he injured, he was injured in 2021 
had some struggles last year. Um, I, I do not claim to be an X's and O's expert. You know, you listen, and I, I think being in Jimbo Fisher's offense and being asked to do things that maybe his talent, it, it's he is a pretty mobile guy. Like I think he's he was clocked in at a four five, so it, and he has good arm strength. But just that that offense is like a, extremely like you're you're reading a lot. You're gonna it, it's slow processing a little bit, and I just don't think that he was the right fit there. Buster Faulkner comes over. He's been um, uh, he's been at Georgia for the past couple of years as a quality control guy. He has previous coordinating experience, Southern Miss, Middle Tennessee, and some other places. They're going to want to get on the edges and, and use his athleticism and, and use the speed that they've influxed in at, at receiver. And I do think, you know, when I watched him in practice, like his arm strength does pop off. Like you, you can see why he was a high four-star recruit. Now, uh, the throw in motion is, is definitely not clean, as I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen. But there are ways I think that this offense is going to serve him a lot better than what he was playing with at Texas A&M. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned Buster Faulkner, um, who was a key uh, aspect of that, um, that running offense at Georgia. One thing that he definitely prides himself in is running the football. It seems like Georgia Tech has become like the – like the secondary stop for Louisville running backs, Hassan Hall um, ends up at Georgia Tech, and now Travion Cooley, who um, I have been very high on since he joined the Cardinals program back in 2020. I, I have been a huge believer in his talent. I really think he's going to have a fantastic career uh, with the Yellow Jackets. But you also bring back a guy like Dante Smith, um, who had almost 500 yards. Um, offensively speaking, Everyone is, or at least the casual fan, is used to Georgia Tech running this very complicated option offense. Mm -hmm. Not the case anymore. How big of a deviation or differentiation between passing and throwing? Is this going to be more of a of a run first to set up the pass with the running back tandem you have and now with the mobile quarterback? Or what, what are we going to see here in first year under Brent Key? So Faulkner talked about this a little bit at the start of preseason camp because his teams, I think Middle Tennessee State and Southern Miz, they skewed more heavily towards the pass. And he's going to say, I think, what most coaches would. depends on the personnel. I think the personnel dictates are going to throw it a little bit more, which might surprise some people. Um, Brent Key talked a little bit about the running backs yesterday. And while I don't think you have a superstar in there, you know, they had Jameer Gibbs a few years ago who was a total stud. I think you have capable backs that complement each other's in different ways. Like I think Dante Smith and Cooley are, are explosive. Like if they get to the edge and get open space, they're going to, that they can take it to the house at any point in time. I think a couple of guys to watch out for Jamie Felix, who played a little bit as a freshman last year and, and he had some really good scrimmages at, during fall camp. I, I really like his potential and, True freshman Evan Dickens, he's another physical runner. They picked him up uh, towards the end of the 2023 class, and they have a converted receiver there, Jamal Haynes. He is a, he played a running back a little bit in high school, but he was a spot receiver for Tech. He's another guy, if you get him in space, he can really make things happen. So I just think it's going to be depending on, you know, who you're playing uh, and defensive personnel and the, and the other things that Faulkner's wanting to use. We've seen this trend time and time again where – X player doesn't get a lot of time at one school, transfers to a school with more opportunity, and absolutely shines. Um, I thought it was very interesting when Christian Leary announced that he was going to be transferring from Alabama to Georgia Tech. Obviously, um, you know, transferring because only had a couple catches in two years, playing behind some very talented guys. What's the expectation for him like this year? Because 
from the national media, at least, and I know that that's not always the most accurate when it's the national media because there's not a, a pure focus, a hyper focus on one program. Is there a, a big set of expectations for Leary this upcoming season? What are you expecting from him? Sure. I, Georgia Tech was looking to add more speed and explosiveness to this offense because, like, they ranked in the 120s in terms of passing explosive. You can look at any advanced stat metric. Like, Georgia Tech's passing game was poor, and the rate they created explosive plays was very poor. So they have a guy on the roster, Malik Rutherford, who I think is in for a big season. He the, He's going to play the slot as well, and I think Christian Leary is going to help play a part in that as well. And they both played on the field at the same time during the spring game. Didn't see as many looks uh, – like that during fall camp, but I, I do think he's going to get on the field a ton, and I think they're going to use him in different ways. He, I think he could line up in the backfield. I think he could obviously play from the slot. They they have to get more explosive, and I think both him and Rutherford are going to play huge roles there. So, yeah, th- there are expectations that he could come in and change the dynamics of this offense, but he's not the only receiver, though. I got you. Experienced offensive line, at least on paper, bringing those pieces back. Um do you foresee that – I mean, one thing that I, I've been able to to see, you know, from an offense perspective, um, it's almost like you would kind of rather have your experience be on the offensive line and then figure things out on the skill set rather than the other way around, and that's kind of been an Achilles heel for Wolves over the past half decade or so. Um, how optimistic are you about this offense, even though there's uncertainties, knowing that, hey, look – don't have the greatest offensive line, but there's continuity and the opportunity to get better. So that's one thing about the offensive line is pretty much all the snaps are back, and they were really, really young last year. This isn't like everybody was juniors and seniors, and you don't know if there's going to be much more growth to be had. Corey Robinson is the start at left tackle. He was a red shirt transfer from Kansas. Joe Fusai was a former walk-on starting his first time last year. Jordan Williams was going back and forth between guard and tackle. Weston Franklin had his first season-long start in the center. He's a guy they expect to take a big leap this year. So it, it's hard to be much worse. And, I, you know, I don't mean to, like, you know, drag anybody or anything, but, like, the offense sure. was pretty poor last year. So they, they have to right. be a lot better. It, the offense has nowhere to go but up. And and I think the receiver position, I think, is getting overlooked a little bit. Like, we were just talking about Leary Rutherford. I think guys to also know is um, DJ Moore. He's in for breakout season. They also got Dominic Blaylock from Georgia. Chase Lane from Texas A&M. Those are all guys I think they're going to contribute. And I think the offense is going to be better. I don't know if it's going to be a top 50 uh, offense, but I, I do think it, it could flirt right around in that area, especially if, if the passing attack clicks. I definitely agree there. and I, I like that it's a young group that's you know sort of growing with each other, and that's beneficial for Georgia Tech. Uh, switching over to the defense, before we do that, I want to thank you all again for – Making Locked On the Louisville your first listen of the day. Just a reminder that the Locked On the Louisville podcast is free on all streaming services five days a week, your team, every day. Jackson, final segment of the show. Not many staff holdovers from last year, but uh, Andrew Thacker was one of those. Um, Why do you think the – uh, decision to bring him back came about for Brinkley. Obviously, he had worked with him in his time last season, but what do you think the biggest factor was with bringing Thacker back? I think it was the performance of the last eight games, and I, I don't know how much total control he had over the defense while Jeff Collins was there because once Thacker had total control, like North Carolina is one of the best offenses in the country, and they could move the ball against Georgia Tech in that game. 
I know Pitt's a little wishy-washy on offense because of their style of play. Mm-hmm. But they, they held Pitt down too. And defensively against Georgia in the first half, they they played really well against them. Stetson Bennett was off his mark on several throws. They kept him contained in the pocket. I think just that improvement and you could see just I think more continuity was better in that fact. Now he does have a co-defensive coordinator, Kevin Chairs, coming over. He's coached in the NFL with the New York Giants at Tennessee at Georgia. Like he has SEC experience, and so you're going to have a, a co-coordinator to help you. But I do think the performance of the last eight games on defense really helped make Thacker's case to come back. Losing Keon White, yeah, is one of those losses that although he didn't get drafted too awful high in terms of how high he could have gone. Mm-hmm. Replacing a player like that is tough, and it seems like Georgia Tech's going to turn to potentially some inexperience to maybe fill that out. Uh, How do you kind of replace by committee what he did? So it's hard to replace him. Like I know seven and a half sacks in a season is not like over the top. Like some people look at that and scoff at it. That kid is an athletic freak and he's only been playing defensive end for a few years. So replacing him is tough. They actually have experienced guys. It's a little bit different from the offensive line is where the offensive line was young and inexperienced and the defensive line. A lot of these guys are older. Like Kyle Kennard, he started every game last year. He has yet to see a big leap in production. Uh, Sylvain Yondwin, uh, I think he's going to probably step into a starting role this year. Um, other guys know Noah Collins, Kevin Harris. I think Eddie Kelly, he's a freshman transfer from USF. They're really excited about him. Like they, they made sure to note him pretty much after every practice and scrimmage. Like they say, he brings a ton of energy, and and, and I think he's going to help tremendously. I do think the defensive tackle spot is a, is a position of strength. I think the secondary is the best position on defense, but Daquan Dallas really came on at the end of last year, had a great game against Virginia Tech. Guys like Micaiah Scott, Zeke Biggers, um, Etanosa Rubin, a transfer from Clemson. Like, I do think that all those guys – I think the defensive tackle spot is an underrated position on this team. I think for both of our teams, linebacker is sort of a one that we circle. I think that Georgia Tech um, – I like the addition of Andre White. I think he's going to bring a, a good amount of experience to this team. Um, well, considerably since he made four starts in the SEC last year. You also have a guy like Braylon Oliver, who's a guy that you're hoping can continue that trend upwards. How are you feeling about um, the linebacker position for Tech this year? So you're losing two guys that got 100 tackles each last year, Charlie Thomas and A.C. Lee. And I think also an underrated part of their – what they brought to the defense is Thacker liked to blitz them a lot. Like Charlie Thomas did really well as a blitzer. And I think you're going to see that from some of these linebackers and to help get pass rush and help replace some of that production from Keon White, like you were talking about. I think Trenelius Tatum, I think you can pencil him in pretty safely as a starter. He's been in the program for a little bit, was a backup last year. He's had a really good fall camp and an underrated guy that's flown under the radar is Paul Moala. Um, He started at Notre Dame, transferred to Idaho, had a pretty good season. And now he is back. Up, up at this level and playing for Georgia Tech, I, I think he's a guy I think you need to keep an eye on. But Andre White, he had some havoc plays at Texas A&M. He was really good as a blitzer. I think that's why you could see him get on the field. And I know Braylon Oliver's got to overcome – he had to overcome injury at Minnesota. <laughs> Expect to see all four of those guys, but I think Tatum and Moala are, are the two guys I, I'm excited about. Great stuff. Jackson, one more question. This is the main one. Who wins next Friday night and what's the score? 
I, I think it's going to be a closer game than people anticipate. I do think Louisville wins. I don't think they cover. I'm thinking something along the lines of maybe 34-28. Like, I, I think both teams are going to be able to score points on each other. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Jeff Brom's a really good offensive coach. I think mm-hmm. Jack Plummer, I think playing with him previously at Purdue, I know he's coming over from Cal, but I think the comfortableness in that system, and I, I do think they really did well getting received in the transfer portal. But Georgia Tech's secondary is pretty good. I, I just worry if they're going to be able to get enough pressure on the quarterback and get him off his spot enough in this game to really make a difference and force some turnovers. So I do think it's going to be a closer game than people expect, but I do think Louisville wins the game on Friday. And also, uh, I guess that was second to last question. Last question, how do you like this game being in Mercedes-Benz? I, I First of all, I love Mercedes-Benz because of the concessions and how cheap they are, and it's fantastic. Went to the Chargers game last year. Big Bolts fan when they played Atlanta. When when they played when Louisville played Ole Miss a couple years ago. Thoughts about this game in Mercedes Benz? Look, I'm on the team of I I prefer college football games not be played neutral site. And also, like the seats are red in that stadium. I really wish it would have been at Bobby Dodd. I won't lie to you. I really wish I would have been at Bobby Dodd. Georgia Tech fans wish it was like everybody loves Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's cool. It's just right, literally right down the street. But they would rather this be a home game for their team. Yeah. And like like I said, the seats are red, so it's, it looks like you already got more Louisville fans in there. Than See, that's what we like. We like to hear that. And I was hoping you would say you were there for a Falcons game like uh, as a Falcons fan. But like, oh, no. I guess that's just me. On the I part. don't dislike the Falcons. I mean, I, I'm glad. Well, I'm not glad that they got B. John Robinson because I wanted the Chargers to get B. John Robinson. But I don't. I'm indifferent. I mean, I'm a I'm a big Des Ritter fan. He's from Louisville. Um, grew up right down, essentially right down the street from me. So um, always cheer for that. Um, and then, not to mention um, some other coaches on, on the Falcons that are. You know, Dwayne Ledford and and company that are on staff with the Falcons. But um, Jackson, that's Jackson Caudell, uh, publisher of all things Yellow Jackets. Um, appreciate you coming on to the show, Jackson. Um, best of luck to you on Friday night. But most importantly, go Cards, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me, man. It was fun talking ball with you. Um, good luck. Yeah, Heck yeah. Be sure to follow Jackson in the Twitter handle below. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.